Hey, what's going on, guys? Uh, you're listening to Yuppies and Harpoons. Uh, I am the co-host, Joe, and with me is the usual, Jacob. And uh, we just finished watching the second Republican debate, and uh, we have some thoughts to share. Jacob, what was your immediate takeout? Any uh, standout stars? Well, I think the first thing to comment on is uh, the facilities and, and the moderators. Um, I think the location, although it's Reagan's library, which is kind of the symbolic conservative, um, you know, pilgrimage almost, it was a horrible location. You could tell by the acoustics. The candidates could not hear one another. I feel like that led to a lot of kind of rambling on um, issues with mics. It almost sounded like it sounded the whole, the whole two hours was a little bit chaotic, um, especially compared to the first one, which I feel like the moderators were able to keep people a little bit more in, in line and uh, candidates answered questions here. It was more of a free for all and a lot less substance, I think coming out of this second debate than the first. Um, yeah. It was awful. Like, I, I, I mean, not to be, I mean, to be very candid, I, I thought that it was just a mess the whole time. Um, yeah. Now, what was interesting was I, I think that there was actually some pretty interesting takeaways about each of the candidates. Like, um, I thought, um, you know, I, I actually was starting to really, really like Nikki Haley. I thought I did not like her performance at all. I don't mm -hmm. know about you. But I, I did not think that she she sounded super petty. I mean, that <laughs> Ron DeSantis is being anti fracking. I was like, I mean, I that was like probably the most human Ron DeSantis I've ever seen when he was just accused of something that was so absurd. You just saw him genuinely laugh, like what? Yes. Like, um, yes. So I, 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 I ended up fact checking it just because I was a little bit baffled by it. And, and, you know, it really isn't anything of substance. I, you know, the only thing I can find is DeSantis didn't allow fracking on some Everglades land. Something pretty yeah. minor, not nothing of substance. <clears throat> um, <laughs> but she definitely tried taking a little bit more. The thing I think Nikki Haley did is turned it on. I'm trying to win this nominee, not this nomination. I think she attacked Trump. She attacked the other candidates a lot more than anyone else on stage. And at times, I think that came to hurt her, such as her trying to pull up something on DeSantis. <laughs> yeah, and then, you know, she tried to she tried to lay into uh, Scott there, and um, I, I I don't know. Sometimes, sometimes, like when how would I explain this? It's like if. Um, it felt like she was a batter who went up to the plate and no matter what pitch she was thrown and no matter where the location of the pitch was, she was choosing to swing. And that's just not a good strategy uh, in, in a debate. Like you don't just go out and decide, okay, I'm going to attack so-and-so at this, mm -hmm. at this point. And it's like, um, okay. Like, I, I thought it just it just looked like she was trying to start fights, and it's just like that that looking like an instigator isn't a way to be appealing. In fact, um, what I thought was I don't know if it was in part strategic, but who I thought had the most interesting debate 
performance was Ramaswamy, where hmm. he clearly was the everyone knew who he was after the last debate, which yes. I think was probably his goal. And now, now that everyone knows who he is, he wants to show that he's actually uh, he can be presidential. And um, yeah, he really took a completely different tone, almost again being hypocritical in his latest fashion of doing so, but really kind of acted like he was the moral compass on stage, and everyone else is just trying to catch up. Where the last debate, he was you know calling out people, you know making sly remarks, and then this debate, he's kind of saying, oh, you know, why don't we speak in line and, and things like that. Completely opposite of what he did in the first debate. You know, he set the tone yeah. for what a lot of people are doing this time, um, which kind of goes into going back to the Nikki Haley really quick before completely moving on from her. <clears throat> I think what you saw is in the first half of the debate, she almost didn't speak at all. There was almost no time allotted to her. It was several questions in before she even talked. Um, and then again, several more questions before she was brought back on. I, I think towards the end, what she her her take was to get a little feisty there, um, to get some attention because quite frankly, she wasn't getting much. I, I can't wait to see what the time score is gonna be for each candidate speaking. Um, but she definitely did not have a lot of time in the beginning. And the candidates getting more time were a little bit more pushy. Um, I think she didn't have the substance in some of the material, so that kind of went to backfire on her. Um, yeah, going after DeSantis. It was kind of interesting because, like, uh, the debate was. It, it actually seemed like the the questions were. There was a lot of questions asked for, uh, of Tim Scott, which I thought was interesting, and um, yes. I just have to be very candid about Scott as well. I, I don't, I'm not a fan of Scott. Um, he, to me, he, it always looks like when he's like at the podium, it looks like he's like maxing out on leg curls and he's just like, and you can't quite see it. And you're just like, Yay! You know, I'm the, I'm the Senator from, from South Carolina. And I like, I did a lot of really good things. And, like, and he, like, I wrote, I actually wrote the, the tax cuts and jobs act. Like, no, you didn't. Like, what are you doing? You co-authored that bill. Like, I, I just, like, what? There's so many brilliant minds on that bill. Do not take credit for it. Yeah. Uh, well, the truth I is think... the, brilliant, the brilliant minds were um, who, uh, were Paul Ryan and someone in Obama's White House. So, policy negotiation. No, no, it, it was the, oh, the cabinet member. I can't remember his name. Goldman guy. Uh Anyways, anyways, uh, I don't have my I don't have my data here to defend myself here. Well, but I mean, I think Scott fits perfectly as a congressman. Uh, that's his role. I don't see him. You may have senator. Was as a senator, yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> but in Congress, but, and you know, I don't see him past that. Really, he well, and I, people, and he doesn't have that executive authority. Yeah. I'm looking for. I, I and I don't mean to bump her car around here, but um, I was you know when you think about Nikki Haley, um, I had a lot of high hopes for her. now. May, maybe not a whole lot of people watch this debate, and that might be a good thing for her. But um, you know, she's really gone up. Like if you look up, look at the like the real clear politics average, um, mm -hmm. there is a decided spike where she was, especially in New Hampshire, where she was averaging I think maybe around five or six percentage points. And then if you look and over the past two. Two weeks or so, she's gone from like 
uh, like five to six points and jumped up to like 13 or so. And um, he's a clear number two now in, in New Hampshire, which is a, a major accomplishment. And one of the things about, I would say that's very advantageous about Haley um, as a candidate is that if she's polling well in New Hampshire, um, she has some appeal in Iowa, although a lot of that, um, Tim Scott's probably taken a lot of those votes away from her in Iowa. Um, but if she were able to somehow come out ahead in Iowa, you can see somebody going, winning Iowa, winning uh, New Hampshire, winning South Carolina. I think someone like Ron DeSantis or uh, Ramaswamy, uh, Mike Pence, those sorts of kinds, those guys are just, you know, even if they were near the top of the pack, because DeSantis is still near the top of the pack, but um, even if you're near the top of the pack, it's going to be hard for them to win South Carolina because um, that's the beginning right. of the Sun Belts where Trump has a significant amount of support. Um, but if you really want to, the argument for, for Haley's electability is that if you really wanted to defeat Trump, you have someone who could potentially win Iowa, is polling now pretty well in, in New Hampshire, and um, whose home state is South Carolina. So she's at like 18%. Um, and so uh, if you deal Trump like a three defeat, you know, three defeats in a row, um, that's a punch that could really hurt. Um, but still, you know, it's, uh, that's the, that's the calculus. Now, I think going forward, it's going to be interesting to see where her support, if she keeps gaining support, if she keeps peeling off from Ron DeSantis. Um, but he's the next guy I want to talk about, actually. Uh, did yeah. you, what do you think of uh, well, DeSantis? And I guess before moving on to oh, yeah, just yeah, yeah. touching on some polling there, I mean, yeah, kind of what we're looking at as a country and um, as a whole is, you know, you're looking at these early polls. So you have Iowa. New Hampshire, South Carolina, with all three of these states, Haley and DeSantis are kind of neck and neck. South Carolina, Haley has a clear lead. That's her home state. You would hope she can lead strong there, um, and she is, and, and kind of starting to really erode at Trump's lead there. And you see that in the other states as well. Um, on the flip side of that, you also see Trump right now is pulling higher than Biden some polls, I think it was an ABC poll, double digits. Um, so people prefer Trump over Biden by a pretty large margin here. And <clears throat> here we go with some some data. Um, yeah, so Trump you can see that. Still clearly in the lead by 30 points, 31 points here. Um, but, you know. It has a lead of 31, yeah, 31 points. And that, that's been kind of eroding a little bit here. But overall, he's now moving past being more electable than Biden. Now that might change once push comes to shove and people actually have to vote, which is where I'm at. I don't think the latest polling is accurate in terms of if people actually had to vote. I think Biden still wins clearly. Um, but you kind of see Trump's strength in the Republican GOP um, party eroding slightly, going more towards Haley. Ramaswamy taking a, a pretty large lead there too since the last debate. And Santa's kind of some of his strength has eroded, but stabilized as well. So creating more of a, a four headed race here um, than we did a month ago um, just goes to show the point trying to make here is a month ago, most of these candidates were around two, three percent. 
and now you have Haley potentially um, on the path to win New Hampshire and South Carolina. So a lot can change, and it'll be really fascinating to watch how this plays out after this debate. If there's a bump in ratings, um, which I don't, I don't think there'll be a, a big movement after this debate. Yeah, the only thing I could see maybe is um, like uh, Ramaswamy's disfavorability, unfavorability going down. Maybe, um, yeah. Like there were there were some times where he was actually being attacked, and people wouldn't let him even speak his piece, I was actually feeling a little irritated, you know, and I'm not, I'm no Ramaswamy fan, but I was watching that. I was like, huh, you know, this is, uh, why am I feeling sympathy? And, um, there was, I think there was, there was also just a, a big problem on the, on the stage. They asked the question of who would you write down on a notepad? You know, write down a name on a notepad of somebody you think should, should drop out of the race, which I thought was a pretty ballsy question. Yeah. Like, um and and then, you know, they didn't do it obviously, but and then uh I guess the real question is did Chris Christie actually write a name down or uh you know, uh but yeah, I guess he said it was Donald Trump. So that was that was, I thought actually that was a pretty clever uh answer by Christie when he was asked, you know, who did you write whose name did you write down to drop out of the GOP and he's like the GOP race and uh Donald Trump. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Which I mean fits his bill. I mean it just puts him in his yeah. box of who who his supporters are gonna be, are those never Trumpers. Um that's that's his base and that's gonna be pretty critical. He's gonna have a lot I, I feel Christie is playing his cards. He learned from twenty sixteen when he endorsed Trump and that backfired on him. I am not gonna be surprised if Christie takes a, a long time to throw his support one direction, but wait till he has kind of the maximum amount of support he can get and really have a lot of sway. I think Christie yeah. really wants, you know, he's going to, he's looking at this. I don't think he has any belief he can win. Truly. The guy's very aware of the country. You, you listen to anything he says or, or anything he writes. He understands, I think a lot of the, foundational issues in our country and the symptoms that we are facing right now from those he has his solutions but a lot of them are not accepted by the GOP just overall he's not accepted by the GOP and um he's been put in you know rhino he's a rhino he's this and that at the end of the day he is going to have a certain base and i think he's really trying to grow that and he's going to have some influence yeah, I, I think that's an apt point because you know he, if he works really hard before the primaries to you know kind of conjure up a a, a big base of people that you know, might cap out around you know fifteen or twenty percent or at, at max. You know, if he endorses somebody, uh, that's a that's a sizable amount of voters to be able to you know suggest to go vote for somebody else. So right. Um, you know, now I, I would be surprised if Christie would actually drop out if uh, if he was in second. But you know, it's hard to see. Maybe if it got down to a slim race, you know, you could see someone like Christie getting twenty percent. But I don't, I don't see that. And unfortunately, I think that that's the Achilles' heel is that you're 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 watching these candidates, and you know, you have Mike Pence and you have Burgum. You know, I like both of them, but it's like. Really, guys, you're still you're still in the race, 
you know, I mean, Pence just, I mean, for one, you're talking about the acoustics of the Reagan library. Uh, the lights were just awful. And they made yeah. Pence look like he was 85. Yeah, it really did. <laughs> he looked no, no one looked. No one looked good on, I mean, Scott had a glare on his, I mean, he's bald and he had a big glare on his head. Yeah. One, yeah, one yeah. angle, I thought he was wearing a hat at first. Yeah. And then they changed the camera angle, and I realized that he wasn't. And I was, it was just very odd, uh, you know, really. And I, that made a huge difference. I think we, you know, the country didn't really get to hear from a lot of these candidates just because they weren't in a facility that was conducive to it. Yeah, I've been well, I've been in that hangar myself. It's it's a hangar, you know, and like any other airport hangar, um, there's nothing to absorb the sound and. And and it's not designed for political debates, <laughs> right? Right. Well, I kind of wanted to go back to um, to DeSantis because DeSantis has been um, really scraping, um, and he's, I mean, especially in New Hampshire, he was clearly the second place guy for a while. In fact, New Hampshire at one point, a number of months ago, DeSantis was pulling ahead of Trump uh, at one point by six points. Um, 42 to 36. So he has just totally fallen apart in New Hampshire. And, um, and then it kind of slowly, you know, his support was maybe around 15 then it went to 13 and then now it's, you know, maybe around, you know, 11 or 10. And, um, and so, you know, I actually thought that his debate performance was better than it was the first time around. And, I thought he looked more human. I actually, I, I thought that maybe the lights and everything um, didn't make DeSantis look that bad. And there were like, he, he had a lot less um, awkward looks and, you know, he you know, oftentimes, you know, the, I thought the camera might cut away a little bit faster from him before he had time to make a goofy look into the camera. Um, but I thought on substance, you know, he, he, I thought he actually did pretty well. Um, you know, he, he made a number, he made a number of points. Uh, he called out Donald Trump, uh, for not being at the debate, which is the, I think that he needs to emphasize more. He talked about Trump on deficit spending, which I thought was, a um, which was a valid critique. Uh, but then he also, he also talked about, you know, needing, you know, needing a winner in, 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 I think it was in between the exchange of Scott and Haley bickering, you know, he says, there's a lot of talk that politicians, you know, can engage in, but you know, look at me, look at what we did in Florida. I actually got it done. I thought just the way that it came out in the moment was um, a, a compelling point. And uh, I was happy because DeSantis has done this before. And when he makes a good point, sometimes he like rocks out to his point in a really awkward way. Like he makes a good point, And then like yes. as, after he's made it, he goes, you know, it's just, it's just like, oh, God, stop. Like, no. That's you, what you I wanted to it. comment on. Yeah, next. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, and instead, like DeSantis kind of just went with it, and I was like, "Okay, good, good. Now stop, stop. Oh, good. Yeah." So uh, the the problem though that he has is, even though I think he did well in this debate, is I don't know. It's really hard to stop downward momentum. Yeah, um, and you know, I am worried about that. Uh, you know, and I think his campaign should be worried about it. But I thought Haley's performance was just. I'm very candid. I thought it was abysmal. Like I just, I did not. I, I like Nikki Haley. I, I really like Nikki Haley. But mm -hmm. um, uh, in fact, people who were listening to our last recap of this podcast 
of the first GOP debate. You may have heard that I was like very, very fervently uh, defending Ron DeSantis. That's because for a long time I've seen Ron DeSantis as the only viable candidate who can, who had the polling ability to um, be a beat Trump. And um, you know if that changes, I, I'm really, I'm pretty much the guy. I'm going to support whoever is capable of, of taking out Trump. And you know, I I, I don't want to see what I don't want to see is somebody who was you know at the time polling in the high teens, you know, just getting pulled down into the rest of the field and having nobody rise up to replace him and just just have the field average out between eights and nines and 10 percents um where but if there is a candidate that can actually replace him and you know be a formidable opponent to trump then i think that that's um i'm all for it yeah well and i think you give it two weeks here and we're going to have a pretty good idea of where polling is going to be until you start to have some of these, you know, Iowa, New Hampshire. At that point, you'll have consolidation, you know, until we get consolidation on this seven, really nine person front. I don't think you, you're going to have any candidate gain more or lose more or lose uh, momentum like you, you've seen up to this point. So DeSantis fell a decent amount. He's right around, you know, 12, 14%. I think he's going to maintain that for a while. Trump right around that 50% mark. Haley, Ramaswamy around that 6 to 8% mark. And then the nationally. rest... Were, nationally. Nationally. Yeah, yeah, nationally. yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 The, the rest are going to kind of stay there. I think you're going to see that remain true kind of until you see consolidation, until people start dropping out, throwing their weight behind others, that's going to bring in attention then of, you know, if Scott drops out, whoever he endorses, that's going to bring a lot of weight. Me yeah. personally, I don't like Scott as a presidential candidate, but I highly respect him as an individual. If he endorses someone, I'm going to be paying attention. And I think a lot of America feels the same about that. Um, now, I don't think it's going to swing to the point where Trump is out completely or, you know, because some of the Scott vote might go to Trump, uh, especially if he endorses Trump, obviously. Um, so that's going to really play interesting role. Um, another thing that's going to really push going to de- back to DeSantis is uh, Gavin Newsom and DeSantis debate, which is, I think scheduled sometime in November, if I remember correctly. I think that's yeah. going to be a huge bump for DeSantis or a huge failure. And it's really going to be up to him. If he showed up similar to what he did tonight, I think that's going to help him a lot. If Dude, he showed how did up, you think DeSantis did tonight? You could tell that he was coached and that he, he focused a lot on coaching to be better at the debate. Some of his facial reactions and his overall body language improved greatly. He held off on some of his expressions. I don't know what it is about the guy. You watch videos of him, just candid videos of him walking around a, a fairground. He's he's a normal human being. As soon as he's on that stage, he's like a robot. It, he like shuts down. He can't function. He doesn't look good. This time around, he was able to push through. Um, you you're talking about that like head nodding after he makes a good point. He held yeah. off on that. There was a few times <laughs> I broke through though, and you could see it. And it was almost like 
at this point i almost like cheered along like come on will he do it because he has this this fake smile he puts on it's like he it was almost like he learned to smile by reading how to smile. It's like mm-hmm. crease the side of you, your lips and try to make it elevated. And he like does that the best he can, but he doesn't know how to really. Um, the the and, thing I wish he'd stop doing is copying yeah. Ramaswamy's policies. Mm, he, yeah. he he did that with the southern border. Like all of a sudden DeSantis now supports invading Mexico. And I'm like, no. No, just, just, you know, stop. Like, you don't need to, you don't, you don't need to, it's like the man's lost all knowledge of what made him popular to begin yeah. with. And, um, you know, I, I, I don't know if it's true or not that he's a normal human. I, you know, there's a, there's a biography coming out about Rupert Murdoch where supposedly Tucker Carlson invited DeSantis and his wife over to his house with him and his wife and uh and so <laughs> according to according to the book like DeSantis kicked Tucker Carlson's dog and then and then like told it to get under the table and then like spoke with like a really loud voice like inside <laughs> and, uh, you, know, you hear that you're like oh god this is bad <laughs> and, and you know why it's bad is this could be completely made up yeah but i kind of believe it yeah like, you know yeah. like it sounds like something you'd make up but i kind of believe it even though you know it's like you know the gut in me wants it to be true almost it doesn't even though yeah. like i don't want i want him to be in good light <clears throat> Um, certainly and i think that's coming that's starting to come out more and more where he hit it for a while or or maybe he's changed but it, that was not as evident six months Tonight. ago oh yeah, 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 yeah. sure sure so um, i i totally do i want to hit off that um that point about the newsom debate um i wish it wasn't so far away i think he needs it now mm. um but um, no, I think it's a good. I think it's a good idea, and it's interesting that Newsom is doing it um, because one, like Biden's polls with Trump have gotten really bad. I, you know, and, and maybe that's something that we could um, put on the screen. But like yeah. Joe Biden has just completely imploded um, in terms of head-to-head polls with Trump. And so I'm um, bringing that up here. Did you find um, it? Yeah. So, so currently, so yeah, I'll, I'll Perfect. share it on my screen. So for those watching, um, here we go. So for those watching um, or th- for those not watching, what you can see here is that the average, I, I like to use the real clear politics average uh, because it takes all of the polls and basically averages them out. So you, factor in outliers that are for and against each candidate and basically out it creates an average and so what you can see is that uh, yeah, do you not Trump- think our our listening viewers are educated enough to know what averages are should we just start explaining things <laughs> i guess totally we could <laughs> yeah we yeah we could it's late I, sometimes i forget <laughs> yeah so uh that's for anthony if anthony's listening i don't know he's a lawyer so he probably doesn't know anything about math that's true. But, um, that's true. Yeah. Um, 
No, but what you can see is that um, Trump actually has a 45.4 to 44.3 um, 1.1 lead over Biden in the in, in the national polls. Now, people may yeah. think, okay, well, that, what, what's the big deal? It's only a point. You know, it's the margin of error. Um, the the problem is is that as the populations in these big states keeps growing, and um, the electoral college has actually gotten more and more uh, drifted more and more towards Republicans, um, because you have states like Texas gaining size and population and becoming more Democrat, um, but still voting Republican. And so what's been happening and so so when so when that happens, it basically means that the, even though the electoral college votes don't change, you um you have you have more and more people voting for Democrats and less and less people voting for Republicans. And so if California, for instance, I think uh when in twenty sixteen, something like two million more people or three million more people voted for Hillary Clinton uh in twenty sixteen in California than did Barack Obama in two thousand twelve. Um, and, and, and like the reason for that was because people in California just truly, truly hated Donald Trump. And that's one of the reasons that Trump lost popular votes because of the added amount of votes that, uh, California contributed towards Clinton, but California voted for Obama in 2012 and it voted for Clinton in two, and, so, and so the electoral college count didn't really change. Um, and so when you look at the real clear politics average, um, the threshold for Donald Trump to beat Joe Biden in a general election, or really any Republican to beat another Democrat in, the, in a general election, is not going to be um, winning a plurality or winning the uh, more than 50% of the vote. It's going to be winning by a margin or, or, or getting within a margin of the Democrat by about three and a half percentage points. And so the predictor is that if Trump and Biden are, you know, in a, in a neck and neck race. Uh, Trump will win a race where Biden gets fifty percent of the vote and Trump gets forty six point five percent of the vote because mm -hmm. of the electoral college. That's the threshold. And so, what the poll, what the national polls are actually telling us is that Donald Trump has a cushion of about four point six percent. In other words, he's 4.6% past the uh, the suggested threshold that's needed for a Republican to be uh, a Democrat in, with the current electoral college adjustment. And so that is uh, very, very, very uh, good news if you're a Republican or if you're a fan of Donald Trump, uh, but very, very bad news if you're the incumbent uh, in Joe Biden. And, and <clears throat> I think two things that will throw a loophole in past elections, which will only help the case that you're already making there. So California alone has had about half a million people since 2020 leave. So that's a net total. So some people came in, but 500,000 people more left than came into California. That's, that's true to many of these um, more left-leaning uh, states. My gut feeling on that is a lot of those folks are conservatives or moderates leaving, leaving more left-leaning individuals in those states. I could be I could be wrong about that. 
what what that will lead to then is, is states like Florida or Texas becoming more conservative mm. um, or even moderate, but still going to vote Republican. Um, states like California are going to vote even more left-leaning um, rather than maybe a left-moderate. Um, so it's it's going to further exasperate that divide. Yeah. Second point to make is the Republican Party waking up to minorities. Um, so tonight, famously, or not famously, <laughs> tonight they had a um, Latino Latina uh, moderator asking questions, uh, many questions kind of targeted towards immigration or towards different Latino countries. That was pretty big. I think that's a big push the Republican Party has been making. If you look in terms of dollar investments, where money's going towards, you see a lot towards that Hispanic vote. Um, And I think that's going to be a big factor moving forward is can the Democrats keep that vote? That's going to be huge. Or can the Republicans win that vote? And that can really sway an election one way or the other without polling really grasping that well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's one of the weird things about the polls is like they, not not the, not the people in Poland, just to provide some clarity there. I'm not talking about the polls in, in Poland. Uh, yeah, I think, I think polling, that, yeah. it's an impossible job to have, but yeah. Wow. Again, in case some specific characters in our audience don't quite, you get what I mean by polls. Um, I'm referring to, you know, surveys. Um, not the, but no, 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 not Polish people. Nah, yeah, right. Okay, right. okay. I thought yeah, you were talking yeah. about Polish people, and I, I was going to go on a whole. <laughs> okay, okay. We're talking no, about the um, Pew Research polls. Gotcha. Well, yeah, and, and like there was a recent poll that came out and uh, said that you know Trump was ahead by 10 points. And again, we're not talking about a person, a Polish person who said that Trump was going to win by 10 points. Anthony, in case you've misinterpreted that. Um, We're talking about a a pollster that came out and said that. um, A specific poll that the pollster released. So what did um, non-Polish pollster say exactly? What was the the percentages there? It had something like Trump at like 51, Biden at 42 or okay. something like that, or 40, 52, 42, I, it, in, somewhere in that ballpark. And uh, the problem with it is if you look at the internals, it had Trump actually losing minorities to Biden by nine points. And uh, that's just questionable, shall we say. You know, Trump, I think, lost minorities by I think 35 plus points. And so you're talking about an order of magnitude. I'm just a humongous swing. And now you might be able to say that he um, gained some support with, you know, Latino men uh, or Latinos and, uh, you know, but, but to, to have that all, you know, reduce all minorities um, down to, you know, a 9% win. And uh, secondly, I I would have to actually look more further at the internals. But if you have a poll that says that Trump only lost the vote by the minority vote by nine points, that would actually mean, or that would seem to indicate that Biden actually did surprisingly well with white voters. Um, hmm. 
you know, for him only for him to actually get 42%. It's like if he lost, um, if he's virtually in a neck and neck race with minorities, then how in the world is he getting 42%? Um, and you know, that would, you know, unless the, um, the weights of the polar are, are really, really wacky. Um, they would suggest that Biden actually did very, very well with, with white voters. And so, uh, there could be a situation where maybe the uh, the weights are, you know, suggest that the, the white vote has a very very high percentage of the of the turnout, but um, and and that would need to be adjusted for. So the, that's the other problem is that these polls, you know, um, depending on how you weight them, you know, you, you can virtually make them say anything. And so you, you know, if if you get a demographic voting in a way that you don't find very um, persuasive or, or realistic, shall we say, yeah, realistic, you can then just minimize that that poll result that or that specific internal result by decreasing the weight that it has in the actual poll. And I think that's what you're seeing right now with the Trump versus Biden polls with Trump leading those polls is right now it's Trump's not in the headlines. He hasn't been indicted in a few weeks, which is weird to say, you know, a, a formerly sitting president has been indicted in a few weeks and now there's no attention on him. Uh, but that's kind of the fact. And so a lot more attention has been on Biden. There hasn't been many headlines to pull away from Biden. And so you see Biden's numbers starting to drop and leading up to the election in 2024 headlines are really going to control polling. And I think we're going to have to take an average over maybe a 12 month period of that's, that's what the polling is going to be reliable is like an average over 12 months. Of yeah. All, all of this is just, I, I find so heartbreaking because, you know, it's ridiculous to me that you know, Joe Biden's poll numbers have been going down when at the very moment that he's doing the things that are necessary for the country. Um, I explain you know, all I, that, I guess. <laughs> I was trying to keep a straight face. Um, no, I, I don't know. Do, I, do you, do you want to? I, 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 I think he's getting. Um, so what, my, what, my you're saying, opinion, what you're saying is, is. You know, we have the savior, the man who knows all the answers sitting in the White House and, and us as ungrateful swine are just not giving him the polling that he deserves. I think for the most part, American voters can tend to be very ungrateful. Yes. <laughs> yes, well I do. I agree That's why you. I, yeah. <laughs> so, um, no, but my, my, my overall view of Biden is that I this is this is why politics is just a game and it's not really something that i can we can place too much seriousness in because i don't think that americans uh and their approval of joe biden really has anything to do with his job performance i think if the man was 60 years old he'd be net plus you know, net 10 points in approval uh, i think right. almost all of this has to do with uh his ability to get through a press conference um you know and frankly after seeing how you know People can their whole perception can change based on how they perform on on a public uh, stage, like Ron DeSantis. It's kind of made me wonder, you know, maybe maybe Joe Biden behind the scenes is actually he only lost about five five percent of his you know cognitive ability, but just on just the 
out in public, he's just a totally <laughs> different figure. Um, I don't know. Um, because I feel like his policies, you know, they've been, you know, when it comes to the IRA, I think like 90% of the funds in the IRA were actually allocated to um, areas of the country that were had high concentrations of low income families. IRA being um, the Inflation Reduction Act. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, yeah, it's just, it, it's, it's, it's been interesting to me, like how Americans decide whether or not they approve of somebody. And I think that's something that I would like to unpack at some point in the future is how, how, what, yeah. what actual stock should we place in a president? You know, and um, I'm sorry, what stock should we place in the approval ratings of a president in terms of his actual job performance? Yeah. Well, and I think we're going to disagree on this to a point. Um, the messaging lately has been Bidenomics and what that has done for the American people. The whole administration has been running for the past like six weeks here, all about Bidenomics. Everything is great about Bidenomics. And that's not the case. The Inflation Reduction Act added at least 2% to the inflation. So when we were at 7, 8, 9% inflation, we could have been at 4, 5, 6% inflation if that bill wasn't passed. And that's that's by you know the um, uh, the government research uh, panel doing that as well. So yeah, you know I think um, some Americans are really looking at it and saying like we are struggling to pay our credit card bill at the end of the month, or we're looking at um, you know childcare or many of these other issues, and that's not really that's hitting people home personally they fill up every single day and and they see gas prices hovering around four dollars i think that translates into votes pretty heavily and you can directly tie like gas prices biden is an anti-gas anti-fossil fuel person i'm personally all for transitioning but it has to make sense and you see Biden pushing policies that didn't make sense and then now leading to us paying $4 at the pump when that didn't need to be the case and there wouldn't have been a negative impact on the environment by doing it otherwise. Yeah. Um, and I think I think Americans are, are paying attention to that. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, the chief critique of the Biden administration with energy is that you don't have to hide the fact that we buy oil or, or or that we consume oil by buying it from somebody that's not ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know, you could just, you'll produce it while you need it here in the U S and I've never understood why we don't do that. Um, I think that that's one of the silliest things that he's done uh, is, you know, he's making it harder and harder for people to drill here in the U S and, and to me it's drill baby drill till you need to stop drilling. You know, um, and, and we just and, clearly and don't really, need to stop it's drilling. It's basically until just we can the U.S. has clean hands when it comes to the Paris Conference. Um, you know, so that yeah. we can say, oh, we don't drill oil, but we use oil, but we don't drill any oil. That's like the only right. real argument. But actually, we're getting off topic a little bit. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think, but um, 
Well, we probably should wrap it up, actually, in terms we're, of... We're, um, I guess, real quick, what, did you have, what do you feel about Pence and how did he perform this time around? Takeaways. Last time, we kind of spoke very highly of how he performed. You know, he was the yeah on top of the debate world last time. Where, where did he fall this time? I thought he was totally forgettable. I mean, uh, the only thing I remember about that is him saying that he slept with the teacher for 38 years. Uh, yeah, that was great. And I, I guess that was to make Joe Biden look good, which like, I, I thought, I actually thought that that was a really sleazy remark. I forget who said that, but like Biden's been sleeping around and been sleeping with a, with, with someone in the teacher's union. Yeah. It's his freaking well, wife. Like, well, and it, was it that, or was it, was I, I it thought Scott that was a- he was responding to? I think it was Scott. He was responding to, and he mentioned something about sleeping. Uh, round and then you know Pence tried throwing that in. Yeah, it, it, Pence was was responding to it, but there, there, yeah, there was a comment made that they you know, Joe Biden is just basically in bed with the teachers unions, and it's like, well, of course he's in bed with the teachers unions. You know, he sleeps with the, he sleeps with one, and it's like, uh, yeah, yeah, ha, I yeah. get it, you know, it, but it, it, to me, it was actually I, I, I thought it was a little uncouth, frankly, and. And it's off brand for Pence. If Ramaswamy did said something like that, it's more on brand for him to be yeah fun electric. But for Pence, I don't want to think about that. He's yeah. he's of a, a certain. Ah, so you don't want to think about that with Ramaswamy? <laughs> <laughs> I want to put myself into that one. But there's uh, there's a level of respect <laughs> I want to have for a man who is well-respected with his gray hair versus, you know, someone who's young and, and youthful. Um, yeah. I can't relate to Pence 38 years of marriage. Um, and I think he was making a valid point. It, the joke felt flat. And yeah, it was kind of felt flat like uh, Chris Christie's Donald Duck. <laughs> Actually, before we go, we have to touch on that. Like, what? What was that? Chris Christie was going and going and going. And he was like, if you don't show up to this debate, we're going to start calling you Donald Duck. And I was like, what? <laughs> I was, I was, I was totally, I was totally caught off guard by that. Yeah. That was like, I mean, that I was, think that was a huge thing of like, and I, and I just thought of Donald, I just thought of Donald Duck like quacking. And I was like, okay, that was, that was something. It really was. Yeah. I think, I think that's, Trump is the king of nicknames. He, has, he comes up with the stupidest nicknames, but they stick. You know, Crooked Hillary, and you know, you his name stick. It's an iconic part of his brand. Christie, I feel like was trying to you know fight fire with fire. Donald <laughs> Duck, man, you could have come up with anything else. Like that's the best you got. Oh, there's a part of me that that thinks it's so bad it actually could stick. Maybe, like, yeah. Like I don't know, it'd have to be like a unified group. Like everyone agrees. Okay, yes, we're gonna start calling him Donald Duck. You know, <laughs> I mean, just <laughs> I, w- I would think that if if it was persistent enough and you had enough people calling it, it would actually start to get pretty annoying. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, especially if you had started having running ads with like Donald Trump with Donald Duck. You know, but, but the issue is Chrissy can only get two point nine percent of the country, or no, not even the country, the GOP, to say Donald yeah. Duck. You know, because he doesn't have the weight 
Oh yeah, my god. It was definitely a uh, let's let's see if we can make something out of nothing moment for Christy. <laughs> yeah, that was that was good. Um, but, which I feel which, like was was most of his night. I, you know, I I really don't get a sense that Christie's running for president anymore. I really think Christie's running to endorse. I think comments like that just prove the point for me. Um, he really wants to have as much strength behind him that when he endorses someone, it's going to mean a lot. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, well, I think for, for next week, we're going to, um, we're going to try and have a special guest on the topic has, uh, yet to be determined. So, uh, we'll, we'll keep you guys posted, uh, in terms of what we'll, what we'll be doing, or maybe it'll just be a surprise. I, I, I don't know, but, um, I think this is a good way to recap. Uh, this has been a good recap of the debate. Um, there's not a whole lot of you know, insights that we can offer in terms of where the race is going to head. I think it's going to largely stay in the same place. But um, did you have they any last thoughts, Jacob? They didn't offer uh, closing remarks to the candidates. So, Oh, that was why, weird as hell. Why don't we get, you know, we shouldn't get. Yeah. All right. Bye. Here. Bye. Yuppies and harpoons. Yuppies and harpoons. Like and subscribe. Thank you. Yeah, please. Bye.